0: Okay, I think this is it. I'm standing in front of my childhood home, a small apartment building on the east side of town, close to the docks. Yeah. Yeah, this is familiar. It's a warm evening in April. I haven't been back here since I was a kid, so I can't be sure, but I think the heat index seems unusually high. Certainly a sign of climate change, though I wouldn't mention that to anyone who lives here. It's not that I think the people in this town are climate change deniers, but more that they... Well, it's like the people who live here don't have time to concern themselves with the outside world. They're in their own little bubble. So there's a fence up around the property, and the building is all boarded up. It's been 28 years since I've stood on this sidewalk... 28 years since I moved out of this town to live with my aunt and uncle in Pennsylvania. 28 years since the day my mother left to go to her housekeeping job and never came home. The street is quiet, eerily quiet. We lived on what was considered the wrong side of town, but I remember there being people around. I pull out my cell phone and I look up the current population. It's difficult to find exact statistics in a quick Google search, but there are a couple of headlines that refer to the dwindling of the area's popularity in the last 20 years. Yeah, I'm, I'm not gonna be able to get in there. The apartment building is smaller than I remember. I guess that's how it goes when you're a kid. Everything looks bigger than it actually is. Maybe everything feels bigger too. Okay, so I'm looking at the windows to what I believe was our apartment. Um, If I remember correctly, it was the first unit facing the street. But the windows are boarded up now. I can't get close enough to be sure what's going on. Um, But, you know, I I think that's a no trespassing sign taped to the front door. If my memory serves correct, it was a one-room apartment. Just one room with an area for a hot plate. And there was a communal bathroom on our floor that we shared with others. My mother slept on the couch and I had a cot in the corner. I remember making crayon marks on the wall next to my bed. I also remember my mother reading stories to help me go to sleep. But I don't know for sure. It was so long ago. Maybe those are things I created in my imagination, or saw on some TV show, and now I think they're true memories. It's hard to be sure what's real, what the reality of the situation really is, especially when I was so young when everything happened. I'll do my best to tell the truth of what happened as I remember it. Here are the facts in the case of the disappearance of my mother, as I understand them at the time of this recording. January 15th, 1995. My mother walked me to kindergarten, as she did every morning. She kissed me goodbye and said she would see me after dinner when she got off work, as she did every evening. My mother never came to pick me up. As of this year, 2023, my mother's disappearance has never been solved and her case is considered cold. Shortly after my mother's disappearance, I was questioned by the police. I remember telling them what I'm about to tell you. My mother loved me. She would not have left me behind. Something must have happened to her. My name is Josephine Kimball. On January 15, 1995, my mother Beatrice disappeared. I was five years old. This podcast is my desperate attempt to find answers to my mother's disappearance. This all started a few months ago after I turned 33, the same age my mother was when she disappeared. I woke up one morning and it all hit me like a ton of bricks. The grief over my loss, the regret of never having known her, and I was filled with this need to find out what happened to her. It's not like I had never felt any of those things before, but I was suddenly possessed by this desire to do something about it. I am not a professional investigator, but I am a writer, I currently work at WBEZ Chicago and I recently took a short leave of absence to pursue this investigation. I have questions that I've been afraid to find answers to for years about my mother's disappearance. My mom's brother, Doug, and his wife, Greta, raised me. Uncle Doug passed away 10 years ago, but I still have a loving relationship with my Aunt Greta. We caught up over Zoom recently so that I could ask her some questions about Beatrice, who everyone called Bibi.
1: I'm not sure how much I can help. I never met B.B. She was long gone by the time Doug and I got married.
0: No, I know. But I, I don't know. I thought maybe you might remember something that could help me out. I'm not really sure where to start with all of this investigation stuff. Like I mentioned, my uncle Doug was my mother's brother. They were both adopted by a couple who passed away before I was born. Doug and my mom were close until she moved away from Pennsylvania in her early 20s. Uncle Doug didn't like to talk about my mom too much, and I was so thankful that he took me in. I never wanted to make him sad about her or seem like I was ungrateful. But then he passed away before I ever took a chance to really ask him about her. What kind of food she liked, what her favorite music was, or about her first kiss. Not that he would have known all of those answers, but maybe he would have known some. And that might have been enough.
1: What are you hoping to get out of this?
0: Our conversation.
1: Yeah, B.B.'s been gone for so long now.
0: I suppose I—I hope I'll find out what happened to her. You know, even if she's dead, I'd like to know.
1: I can understand that.
0: So the day she disappeared, what happened? You know, from your point of view.
1: Well, Doug and I didn't hear about her disappearance until a couple of days later. We got a call from someone who worked for the city, a social services person, and they said that we were the only family they could track down.
0: As I understand it, my father was never in the picture. He was probably a one-night stand, and I do not know his identity. Looking for him, well, that's another podcast.
1: Doug and I weren't going to have children, but... When you were left, it seemed like the right thing to do. And I'm glad we did it. You were a good kid.
0: Well, what did Uncle Doug tell you about Bebe?
1: Well, you know a lot of this already.
0: It's okay. Let's just, you know, put it all out there again in case we need it.
1: Sure, sure. Okay. Well, Doug and Bibi were close as kids. They lost touch after they graduated high school and she moved away. Not like completely lost touch, but I I don't think they spoke a whole lot after that. He felt like she changed when she moved. She was harder to talk to or something. We invited your mother to our wedding, but she couldn't make it. She was busy working, was what she said. Doug was disappointed.
0: Did he ever tell you anything about her? Like, personality-wise?
1: Well, yeah, actually. I remember him saying... She was the kind of person who, once she decided to do something, she would just do it. And that she was impatient, but like in a funny way. He said she would cut her hair herself because she didn't feel like getting an appointment at the salon and having to sit in the chair and talk to a stranger. I mean, and I guess their mom would get upset because B.B. would always cut it sideways, like off-center, whatever, and their mom said it looked like they couldn't afford to get their own kids' haircuts. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, what do you think happened to her?
1: So you want You want to hear my little detective brain tell you what's going on? Well, I mean, honestly... She was, the year before she went, she was working at this uh, bar. She was a cocktail waitress. And honest to God, like, it, it seemed like a sketchy place, you know, wrong side of the tracks kind of thing. And I knew that there were a lot of goings on in there around, you know, drugs and weird stuff. And, I mean, to tell you the truth, I i think she met a guy she liked and i think they just left town i mean that's kind of what i like to think in some way that she found someone who who just really saw her for who she was and really loved her and they eloped
0: my aunt followed up with me later and said she found the name of the bar it was called the cheatin heart she also found a letter and a necklace that one of my mom's co-workers sent to me when i was a kid But more on that later. I don't know. It's hard for me to believe that she would leave me like that and not care or try to find out what happened to me.
1: The school said the emergency contact info she left with them was for your uncle and me.
0: Oh, I did not know that.
1: So maybe she knew Doug wouldn't let her down. He'd come take care of her child if she needed him to.
0: I spent a lot of time thinking about what Greta said, that my mom left me behind. Greta wasn't trying to be hurtful, obviously, but it still hurt. And what if she's wrong? What if something more suspicious happened? What if Bibi was forced to leave, was taken, or worse? If that's true, then I have to get justice for my mother, the forgotten woman. So I begin my formal investigation. I make phone calls from my one-bedroom apartment in Chicago. I call various government agencies, relevant police departments, etc. Mostly, I just leave a lot of voicemails. My name is Joe Kimball. I'm researching the disappearance of my mother, Beatrice Kimball, and I was hoping to locate any police reports or missing person files you may still have available. If you could give me a call back at... But these government jobs, they don't pay well. I know, I've had some myself. So when I do get return calls, it's from exhausted employees who can't seem to locate any information to help my investigation. It appears my mother's case has been lost in the chasm of bureaucracy. I start to realize it's better to have boots on the ground in my hometown, where she went missing, my boots. So I pack my Honda Civics trunk with a couple bags, take a leave of absence from work, and I call my boyfriend, Dev, from the road. Dev and I have been together for about six months. Things started out great. We were head over heels for each other. But lately the relationship has been a bit more strained, probably because I've been distracted by the investigation into my mother's disappearance.
2: I feel like what I'm saying the wrong thing all the time
0: well look I just have a lot on my mind you know and it's hard and I I'm not great at expressing you know everything that's going on and I, I'm sorry
2: no no don't don't apologize you you've always wanted to do this so the good thing is you're doing it yeah. I yeah. assume you have a plan. What, so, what are you going to do when you get there?
0: Um, I I think I'm going to go to our old apartment. Um,
2: Great.
0: I, yeah, I I don't know if <laughs> I'm sure other people are living there, but maybe just seeing it will jog something in my memory. And I don't know. I'm.
2: Oh. I you, guess that's where I start. Right, that's my Postmates.
0: Oh. Okay. Yeah. No. That's fine.
2: Call me when you get there, okay?
0: Okay. Hey. Yeah,
2: cool. I want you to be safe. I will be. I'll be safe. Okay. Love you.
0: Back to me standing in front of the building my mother and I lived in together. It's all boarded up and I'm out of sorts, talking to myself on my microphone on this strangely quiet street. Okay, so I'm recording uh, in front of the building and, you know, I was hoping I could get into the apartment that we used to live in. Maybe find some clues or jog my memory. I don't know. To remember something that could be helpful. I guess like they would on a TV show. This is so dumb. We had neighbors, though. I remember lots of people around. Lots of neighbors in the hallways. I don't know if I could just find like one or two of them ask some questions, maybe, maybe they remember something that would help. Okay, so I'm just going to put this on hold for now. If this was a TV show, I'd scale the fence and break in, but this is not a TV show, and I am not going to get arrested my first night back in town. After I Zoomed with Aunt Greta, she sent me a note with a necklace, a crucifix, that I had received when I was a kid from a woman named Lori, who worked with Bebe at the Cheatin' Heart. I knew about the necklace. My aunt and uncle didn't keep it from me or anything. But what eight-year-old wants to wear a crucifix around their neck? My aunt put it in a drawer for me, and honestly, I kind of forgot it existed. The note was pretty straightforward. Dear Joe, I'm an old friend of your ma's from Cheatin' Heart bb gave me this necklace before she went missing i don't have much use for it so i thought i'd send it along hope you like it lori i yelped to the cheatin' heart and amazingly it's still there i called and even more amazingly lori's still there too she bartends there now so this is the next step in my investigation go talk to my mom's old friend <laughs> What can I get for you? Oh, hi. Um, actually, I... Are you Lori, by any chance? Yeah, I'm Lori. Hey, Lori. Um, my name is Joe Kimball. Hi, Joe. Nice to meet you. Thanks. Um, my mom was Phoebe
3: Kimball. She used to work here a few... Oh.
0: Years back? Yeah.
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Phoebe Yeah. Um, I'm sorry to just, like surprise you like this but I I came into town today to um basically I'm I'm investigating the disappearance of my mom and I just wondered if you had a few minutes for some questions about my mom yeah I'm so sorry about about BB um
3: you know what I'm about to take a break why don't you go on the back patio and meet me and, and can
0: I get you something to drink oh that'd be great thanks yeah I'll take like a lager so alright I'll, I'll bring, bring it out to you hun thank you alright I explained to Lori the circumstances of my trip home, how my aunt reminded me that Lori was a friend of my mom's, maybe her only friend considering nobody else ever reached out after Bibi disappeared. Lori looks different than I expected, younger. If my math's correct, Lori would be in her early fifties by now, but she could easily pass for 35. She has a warm smile and kind eyes. She's friendly. More friendly than she needs to be to a strange woman who shows up at her work to talk to her about someone she knew decades ago. I appreciate her time, and she let me record our conversation. I guess if we could just kind of start from the beginning, maybe? Like, how you met my mom? Yeah, I mean, we, we
3: used to work at this. We used to work here together, actually. Yeah. Yeah, we were pretty young, and I, I mean, you were so young <laughs> at the time, but sometimes... She would have help looking after you, and we'd stay and have a couple drinks after the shift. And
0: oh, really? Yeah. So she was like a drinker? Yeah, we,
3: she was fun. We had a really good time. She was fun? Oh, yeah. that's cool. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah, you nice. kind of look like her, actually. Really? I'm sure you've heard that from your
0: aunt and uncle. Uh, a little bit, yeah. That's really nice. Thanks for saying that. So you worked here together, and you became friends. And so, what have you been doing for the past, I don't know, 25 years? Well, I
3: worked at some other places besides here. Since then, I I waited tables at the Penthouse Grill, and I hosted at Chez Rouge. Oh, okay. um, But I came back here about 10 years ago. Everybody likes a female bartender.
0: <laughs> it's somewhere around this point in the conversation that I became very nervous. Not because I was afraid she wouldn't continue talking to me, but because I was afraid she would. This is the only other person I've ever spoken to, besides my aunt and uncle, who knew my mother. What if Lori confirmed my aunt's suspicions? What if my mother did just go off and leave me behind?
3: I never, for one minute, believed that your mom had left. Really? No way. Your mom was doing really well at that time um, for the first time since she moved to town she got this great housekeeping job for this really nice family and it was paying really good money she could only ever get sub shifts cocktailing here so it was paycheck to paycheck but once she got that job for Dr. Evans her mom was making really good money Her her boss's name was Dr. Evans yes Dr. Evans Marlena Evans Marlena yes She's kind of like a big deal in town. Everyone loves her. America's sweetheart, blah, blah, blah. So does Marlena still live in town? Oh, yeah.
0: Oh, okay.
3: And your mom told me she paid her really well. And after she started working for Dr. Evans, Phoebe put in an application for a new apartment. Oh. So she was getting ready to move somewhere really nice. That's why I don't think she would have left. And she
0: never would have left you. That's what I think, too. I don't remember her being dismissive I the memories that I do have are very like warm and loving so why do you think she gave you this crucifix I don't know it's just so weird because my uncle he like they weren't raised religious or no she
3: wasn't religious not at all in fact I was shocked when she brought it to me during one of my shifts she ordered a drink and then she handed it to me instead of a tip she said I needed to keep it with me for protection. I thought it was a joke at first. Like, what, protection? You know, like I said, she was funny.
0: So, Lori, what do you think happened to her? I mean,
3: ugh, I don't know.
1: God, 95 was a weird
3: year. I mean, it was more weird than usual, like, I'm not woo-woo, and I don't do crystals, or pay attention to that stuff, or believe in the moon, or whatever. Moon cycle stuff? Yes. But I will say 95 was a strange year. Like, the vibe in town was off that year. People were scared. Crazy things are happening down at the church.
0: At the church? What kind of crazy things?
2: (laughs) People were, like,
3: getting hurt and dying. I know that people die all the time. It was just odd. I don't know. This is going to sound really strange, but there was also this guy who, like... Well, he fell off a balcony. And then... We found out later, or the word on the street was, that he was pushed. And the strange thing was, it was, like, in the same building where your mom worked. Is there anything else you remember about that? Honestly, I feel like I'm gossiping right now because I didn't witness it myself. I mean, I just heard, like, rumors because they were flying all over town. Like I said, that year was really strange.
0: Okay, okay. Well, is, like, can you? I, I know these are rumors, but like, can you give me any more? You
3: know what? I feel like I'm just like now. I'm spinning my wheels, and I don't have any more information that's factual. Okay. And honestly, I need to get back to work because my break ended about five minutes ago. Oh, but okay,
1: okay. yeah. Um, but
3: your your mom was.
0: I really liked BB. Well, hey, thank you so much. Um, can I get your number in case I have some more? Yeah, questions? sure. Here, put it in
3: my phone and. Oh, if okay. I think of anything else, I'll, I'll let you know.
0: Okay. Thanks, Lori. Okay. I head back to my motel room and I stay up late trying to piece together the things Lori told me. The most solid piece of information is that I now have the name of the woman who employed my mom at the time of her disappearance, Marlena Evans. I know I'll have to reach out to her, but I'm going to wait a little bit longer until I feel more comfortable interviewing people. I really cannot emphasize how much I am not an investigator. I do not like putting myself out there for rejection, and I do not enjoy meeting new people. I studied creative writing in college because it was one of the few majors that didn't require group projects. So reaching out to strangers makes me very nervous. I say this because the more I talk to people as I'm investigating this case, the more I realize I need to be quicker on my feet. I need to ask the questions I really wanna ask and not worry about what people think of me or of Bibi. Sometimes you gotta ask hard questions to get real answers. There's something about the apartment building that isn't sitting right with me. It was just so abandoned. One of my co-workers at WBEZ, an experienced investigative journalist, recommended I look into property records to find out who owned the building when I lived there in 1995. Maybe the property owner would be sympathetic and give me a name or two of a neighbor who also lived there at the time. Obtaining these records was way easier than I expected. I literally just look it up online on the county clerk's website. The deed to the property of the building for most of the 1970s and 80s was under the name Tom Horton. In 1994, the deed was transferred to Alice Horton, maybe a daughter or a spouse. The building remained under Alice Horton's name until December of 2007 when it was transferred to Michael Horton. Again, likely a family member. The records stopped there. So I Google Michael Horton. There are a lot of Michael Hortons out there, but I did find one who used to live in town. Dr. Mike Horton. He currently lives in New York City and works out of one of the city hospitals there. Feeling very smug and delighted by my online sleuthing, I give Dr. Horton a call at his office.
2: This is Mike Horton. Hi,
0: Dr. Horton. Um, my name is Joe Kimball. I, well, I'm calling because I used to live in one of your family's apartment buildings in Salem.
2: Uh, over on Spring Street?
0: Yes, exactly. And, I, well, I was just over there. The building, it's all boarded up.
2: My family hasn't owned any property there in years. Uh, we sold it all off when my grandmother passed away about uh, 15 years ago.
0: Oh, okay. But you you did own the property in 1995, right?
2: Yeah, that timing would make sense. Uh, I'm sorry, what is all this about exactly?
0: <laughs> well, um, I'm actually... Investigating the disappearance of my mother, she went missing in
2: 1995. Oh, uh, and what was her name?
0: Uh, Beatrice Kimball, um, but everybody called her BB.
2: Beatrice Kimball. It, well, it doesn't ring a bell.
0: Okay. Yeah. Sorry to bother you. I, I knew it was a long shot. I, asked, I I wasn't sure you could even help me at all, but, you know, I thought I'd give it a
2: try. Yeah, I'm sorry about that.
0: Well, thanks anyways, um, and uh, have a good- What
2: did your mother do for a living? I mean, Salem is a small town. Maybe I can help point you in a different direction.
0: Oh, great. Yeah. Um, Well, she was a cocktail waitress for a few years at the Cheatin' Heart, um, but at the time of her disappearance, she was actually a housekeeper, and she was working for Dr. Marlena Evans. Marlena? Oh, you know Dr. Evans?
2: year did you say your mother went missing?
0: 1995.
2: And she was working for Marlena in 1995?
0: Yes. Dr. Horton? <laughs> Are you still there?
2: I, I, I don't know how much I can say about any of this.
0: About any of what? Wait, do you know what happened to my mother?
2: No, no, I I don't know what happened to your mother, I'm sorry. I don't remember your mother, but... 1995... uh, Things were strange in Salem in 1995.
0: Yes, well, everybody keeps telling me that.
2: Yeah, I mean, I guess things are always strange in Salem, but... 1995 was somehow... uh, Stranger. Marlena was acting um off, and we weren't sure what was wrong.
0: With Doctor Evans.
2: Yeah, and then we discovered.
0: What? What did you discover?
2: I, I really can't talk about this. Marlena is a close friend of mine, and she was my patient.
0: Doctor Horton, I have spent the last twenty-eight years of my life wondering what happened to my mother. Please, if there's anything that you can tell me, please help me.
2: Do you know anything about demonic possession?
0: (laughs) What? No, I don't know anything about demonic possession.
2: I can't break doctor-patient confidentiality, but go to the police station. Look up case files from 1995. Look for anything that has to do with possession. Good, Good luck.
0: I'm Joe Kimball, and this has been Episodical The Search for B.B. Kimball, Episode 1. Please rate and
1: review us on iTunes.